This is Mrs. Batman, and I am here with a bonus edition of the Rebel Ed podcast. This is our final edition of the year. Um, we have a very special guest here that um, Ethan Salmons is going to introduce to you. Um, but before we get to that, I want to thank these two senior boys for um, for hosting this podcast this year and for bringing this to our um, high school and to our community. Um, it's been such a blessing to get um, some interviews out with some people that we know and um, some people that we're just getting to know today. So, Ethan, why don't you take it away? All right, so guys, today we have a very special guest today. Uh, he was a McDonald's All-American basketball player in high school. He played for the North Carolina Tar Heels, where he won a national championship. Uh, he is, was an assistant coach for the Kansas Jayhawks. He was then a head coach for Notre Dame and North Car Carolina. And uh, most recently, he is the author of an amazing book, Rebound, and he inspires people to be great leaders every day. So I just wanted to kind of start off, Matt, uh, asking you a little question. Here at South Gray, we have a very, very deep basketball history, and we've been at school for about 30 years now, and uh, in, for 16 of those years, we've made the state tournament. Nine of those years, we've made it to the state championship, and four of those years, we have won the state championship. So obviously, people at South Gray really love basketball, so they're super excited to hear this interview. So I just kind of want to start off with what does basketball mean to you? Oh, gosh. Uh, thank you very much uh, for the introduction, by the way. It's a uh, pleasure to be on the podcast. Um, basketball, um, really, you know, I was, I was doing something last night preparing for some of the meetings I do with uh, leaders and, and groups and you know, one of the exercises was like defining moments, you know, what's the defining moment in your life? And, you know, there were probably uh, a couple, uh, but, you know, one was, you know, my dad signing me up for basketball camp in fourth grade. And I just immediately fell in love with the sport. And through that sport, I got to experience many, many highs and many lows too. You know, I, I, but at, at a, at a very, you know, exciting level. I mean, I got to one, get a scholarship to college. I, 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 I got a, I got free tuition to go to a, a, one of the top state universities in the country. Um, uh, I got to play for the, you know, Kansas native Dean Smith, one of the best coaches of all time. Uh, I got to play with, the best player of all time and Michael Jordan. Um, and then, you know, it gave me a career. I, I, I was a basketball coach for 22 years and you think like, you know, how fortunate is that? So, um, basketball, uh, has really opened up so many doors for, for me, um, that, uh, you know, I'm grateful. Hey, Matt, you said something about your dad signing you up for basketball camp. Can you tell us a little bit about how um, he influenced your life? Yeah, my dad was a minor league baseball player um, and owned a Pepsi route. He never finished college. He left after his first semester at Manhattan um, College to go play baseball. And late, years later, he said that his biggest regret was that he didn't finish college. Um so he was a blue collar guy, but owned a route and, 
my dad, like I never really saw saw him have a bad day. He was always a very positive, upbeat guy. And uh, even though he worked his hard job, I mean, he'd get up like five in the morning and come home at six and do it all over again for 25 years. Um, and the thing, one of the many things I admire about my dad was even though he was a minor league baseball player, he never pushed me to sports and he never pushed me to stay with baseball. Um, he would just sign me up for things. I mean, he, he bought me a drum set for, for my birthday or Christmas. Um, I think my parents just wanted to expose me to different things and see what I gravitated towards. So in sixth grade, when I decided to quit baseball and just focus on basketball, there was no pushback, you know, and, and after, after every game, even if we lost, he would say, good game. Let's go get some ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, and, and he wasn't one of those dads, like, like, you know, Oh, you were terrible or you should have made that shot or dissected the game. And, you know, I appreciated that. Uh, And I try to be that type of dad for my kids. Yeah. When we, um, as a coach, I coached for about 28 years too. Um, It was important for me to have the kids ride the bus home with us just because um, as a mom, I know, you know, how my husband kind of was at times with the kids. And so it was nice to give them, you know, just some downtime to enjoy the game, win or loss. Um, yeah, so they could just go, yeah, go eat together and, um, you know, talk about the good parts of the game, not the things that you've done wrong. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Why, did, why did you choose North Carolina? Well, when I was coming out of school, when I was in eighth grade, North Carolina, uh, the Olympics were being held um, uh, in Montreal. And Dean Smith was the coach, and there were four Tar Heels on that team. So that was kind of my first glimpse. And then um, the next year, 1977, North Carolina went to the Final Four, and they had this player named Michael Korn was a freshman. And Mike was, you know, 6'7". I was you know, six, six, Mike was a white guy from New Jersey. I was a white guy from Long Island. Uh, we both wore the same Jersey numbers and I'm thinking, okay, I could that like, he became one of my, you know, idols, if you will. And so I really followed them closely. And then, um, you know, they, they were in the ACC, which is the best basketball conference in the country, uh, at that time. And they still be, uh, the Big East wasn't formed yet. Um, I was being recruited by some schools like Syracuse, Villanova, St. John's. But to me, going down south and playing in the ACC for one of the top academic institutions in the country uh, was kind of a dream come true. And so when that opportunity presented itself, I, I took it. Okay. And in, in our intro, um, Ethan mentioned um, um, our basketball tradition can you tell us a little bit about the coaches that you've had? And then I would like Ethan to share a little bit about his experience with Coach Applegate and what we have. So I think you played your high school coach. Was it Bob McKillop? Is that right? And then you had Coach Smith and Coach Williams. Um, that you... That's right. I, I had, yep. I think, you know, leadership. I'm sorry that in the background, a gentleman's cutting the grass. <laughs> That's okay. Um, leadership is so important. 
um, it's the most important subject that's not formally taught. And it doesn't make sense to me. But you talk about Coach Applegate. You, I talk about Bob McKillop, my high school, co- other high school coach, Dick Seitler, Dean Smith, um, you know, Roy Williams. Uh, leadership matters. And, and so, you know, without those gentlemen, like we don't have success at the respective programs. Now you could say you could plug different guys in and, you know, programs are wired to be successful. Yes, there's some truth in that, but there's got to be leadership along the way and a commitment uh, and an alignment from, you know, the school district to the principal, to the athletic director, to the coach. And, you know, the same thing at the University of North Carolina, same thing at my high school. And so it was there, but the coaches were the, obviously the point people um, that everyone saw and everyone followed and, and uh, gravitated towards. So I was lucky. And I, I also give credit to the high school, the coaches in grammar school, my sixth, seventh and eighth grade coaches and the coaches at the camps I went to, we had great coaches on Long Island and I learned from all of them. Um, and from the fundamentals to the competition, to, uh, the desire to be the best you could become, uh, to dream, you know, about playing in college in the NBA. Um, I had those opportunities right in front of me because of all the great players that were playing in my community. So, uh, but the coaches were the driving forces and, and I was blessed to play for great coaches. Yeah, and so obviously here at South Gray, I'm a, I'm a basketball player here, and I've gotten the opportunity to play for Coach Applegate. And uh, it just, he really, I, I think what makes Coach Applegate such a great coach is you can tell that uh, he really, <clears throat> truly cares about you. And he, uh, he, it's really important for him not to only make us a better basketball player, but to kind of uh, better us as people too. And so when you're, when you're getting done with high school, it's, it's sad leaving him because he is such a great role model for us. So, like, for you, like, as a coach, uh, it seems like you uh, knew the importance or the impact you were having on your athletes' lives or the impact that you could have on your athletes' live, lives. Yeah, no, Ethan, that's a big part of it. Uh, and that's a big part of why I got into coaching. Uh, I worked um, – on wall street four years after college and I was miserable. And I just thought, you know, how cool would it be to have the impact on lives of young men like coach Smith and uh, coach McKillop and Dick Seitler, my other high school coach had on me. Um, you know, that's, that's worth a lot more than money. And so, uh, I ended up getting into coaching and, and, I wanted to create those types of legacies everywhere I coached and, and teach players about things besides, uh, basketball. Uh, you know, and some of my players stay in touch with me today and, and, you know, written notes and, and thank me. And then, you know, some don't, <laughs> you know, you're not going to have that relationship with everybody, but you try to, and you really want to educate young men on you know and women in, in the in the women's game on life after basketball and, and because basketball should be a vehicle um uh to take advantage of other things like education and, and meeting 
people in the in the community that could help you beyond basketball. I'm going to talk a little bit about that leadership. Um, Taylor Kane is also one of our um, podcast hosts. He's kind of the one who said, "Hey, let's let's do this." He um, shows leadership in so many ways. He no, he has a dream. He's going to go to Embry Riddle. Um, he was a state champion in forensics this year. He was the governor's scholar. So when I think of leadership, um, I have to pull Taylor into that um, and plug him because I think that he's going to impact a lot of kids in his life. Um, and I could see him definitely um, sharing his leadership with others. Yeah, no, congratulations, Taylor. Um, Emory Riddle's a great school. And, um, you know, um, I just think that being, being a leader sometimes is you, you can't be afraid of what other people think. You know, I think that that's so hard in today's age with young people because of social media everyone tries to frame how you're supposed to act how you're supposed to dress what you're supposed to do and if you do something different um there's some shaming that could possibly go on to you know walk your own path create your own path um is really exciting to hear Taylor. And, um, you know, I tried to do the same, you know, I, I, I lived and breathed basketball, you know, I, I gave up on some social things. Um, you know, I, I told people I wanted to play in college and get a scholarship and <clears throat> try to play in the NBA. And I didn't achieve all my dreams, but without those dreams, you're not going to have a chance to accomplish anything, you know, um, and you need to have some of those stretch goals. And, you know, if you don't make it, at least you tried, and you're probably still in a better place than if you had tried. Yeah. So I commend you for doing your own thing, Taylor. Thank you. Um, and that kind of that kind of leads into our next question. Um, and I'm curious to know, who are some of the best leaders in either the uh, the business or the sports, sports world you see today, and why? Wow. Um, well, I look at a guy like, uh, uh, Tony Bennett at Virginia. Um, uh, I think Hubert Davis at North Carolina will be a great leader. And, and, and I think because they have balance, you know, there's a Christian, uh, foundation to those men. Uh, they're, they're Christians. They don't hide from that. And I think that, um, that's something that's attractive to me. And if I had a son or daughter, I would want them to play for someone like that. I think their demeanors are good. I think it's important. And I wasn't great in this area, but as I, I get older and I'm coaching leadership now, I think your demeanor is so important um, because body language is 50% of communication. So when you're calm um, and, and, and you, you show it physically, you know, that, that transmits to the, the team that, Hey, he's calm, he's in control and, uh, there's no panic. And I think that that's important. And I think that's something that Dean Smith had as well. So, um, and I do think that they care about more than just the player. Um, you know, because, if you have a bad game, are that you going to be treated any differently by the coach? 
if you have a bad season or you get hurt, are you still going to be a valued member? Are you going to be still a valued human being? And, you know, there's probably some places where, you know, they disregard you a little bit. But, you know, a place where the coach would value you whether you contributed a minute or you were an All-American. I'm going to talk about a little bit about um, the part in your book when you talked about the part, because I absolutely loved that section about it talked about all the things that you learned, how to compete, how to listen, be coachable. But I think I always when our when our boys would get second place in a tournament, it always bothered me that they would they would just want to walk straight to the locker room. And I I, I know they weren't trying to be rude, but they were just so disappointed. And you said something in there that you're only as good as your last game. And that put everything yeah. in perspective to me. Do you want to kind of talk about that? So, um, yeah, I'll share that story with us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, there's, there's a time limit to that. Okay. And what do I mean by that? Like, yes. Like what if your team, like Gonzaga, Gonzaga this year goes undefeated and loses in the championship game. So if they're only as good as their last game, are they losers? You know, are they? No, I think as you as you step away from that, um, you've got to realize the breadth of the season and say, what a magical season we had. But my point in saying that is the competitor, like you don't want to give in to human nature, and so um, you know when you're on a winning streak. Um, it's easy to get complacent. So how do you fight that? And for me in the park, you'd win five games in a row and the park's closing in 30 minutes and someone would say, okay, last game. And it would be easy to just take a deep breath and kind of go through the motions where I felt like I had to kick it into an extra gear and motivate the team to win because I didn't want to go home five or one. Yeah. I want to go home six and zero. I don't want to go home with the last game I lost. I want to go home with the last game I won, and and so that's that. And the park was, you know, hey, you're only as good as your last game, and and and, um, but I don't think that would be fair to say to, you know, a team like Gonzaga or South Gray if you lost in the state finals. You know, I think, yeah, at that moment it hurts. But when you get away from that game and you look back on your season, like, wow, we had some magical, it was a magical season, you know? And so uh, I don't want young people to think that they're losers if they're losing the finals of state championship. Yeah, so we obviously, I, I you must have a little bit insight because we just went through a very similar experience as uh, we this senior class right here, we've, played with each other and we've started on the basketball team since we were sophomores in high school we worked our way up to our senior years where we had an undefeated season this year and then we did lose in the state championship and it was it was I mean obviously it was heartbreaking we were super torn up about it but at the same time it kind of created this thing between us I guess when you go through when you go through a so like such a high and then all of a sudden you you're working towards a goal and then you just miss it uh, it creates this kind of thing that I've noticed is our, our team was already super tight-knit and close, but kind of through that experience, we became even more tight-knit and more close. And it kind of, even though the 
the state championship game didn't end the way we wanted it to. It kind of, it, weirdly enough, it brought us more together as a team, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, well, you never know how that works, right? Sometimes losing can break apart a team. Mm-hmm. Sometimes losing can bring your team closer. You know, maybe if you won, then people would think that, you know, they'd be too cocky and, um, you know, um, you know, it, 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 it's it's the way it's supposed to be. I guess, I, you know, and that's that's the, you know, God, you know, it's like, okay, that's the way it's supposed to be. And what, what did we learn from that? What's, what's the, the faith journey? What's the lessons you learn? And you try to grow from it. And um, so I think you have. I think you have. You know, life is not fair. You may have had the best team. You may have been deserving of winning, but life is not always fair. And I think that sometimes that's why I wrote, wrote the book Rebound. That was you know, my next question. That. that was my next question is why, why did you write that book? Well, I think that um, people, people write a lot about success and, you know, the three keys to success, the three you know, keys to rich, getting rich. Um, and I wanted to write about, you know, failure and how to deal with failure because it's upon us. It's everyone deals with failure. I don't care, you know, whether you're a college basketball coach or you're, you know, a mom, you know, um, you know, there's going to be setbacks, whether a child has to go get an operation or somebody dies in your family or, your husband loses a job or you're a single mother and you're trying to make your way. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, and it's so easy to say, why me? You know, and I just spoke at Queens university a couple of weeks ago on their commencement. And, you know, sometimes we should say, why not me? You know, like who do we think we are that we should have everything so good? Like that's, wrong that's egotistical that's that's selfish like you know we always see somebody else's family getting cancer or somebody else dealing with a tornado or somebody else dealing with why shouldn't it hit my household why shouldn't it hit me and now the challenge is how do you rebound from it and and i think that's what i wanted to share with people is is rebounding from setbacks and i had to rebound from getting fired at North Carolina in a very public manner. And, you know, I try to get better, not bitter, because no one wants to be around bitter. And you need to try to learn and grow. And I, I, it was a great quote that I have in my book from Nelson Mandela. He says, I've never, I never lose. I either win or I learn. And so, you know, that mindset is really a winner's mindset. And that's the mindset that I want to have and I I encourage others to have. I think um, Coach Applegate um, has dealt with failure. And I think, um, not failure, I shouldn't say, that's not the right word. But I think the bond that he has, the relationship he's built with these boys is because he was was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he has struggled with that. And then his wife was diagnosed with cancer as well. And these boys have kind of made a circle around those, um, around his wife, especially this last year. And that bond that they share together um, kind of picked them up through the season, I think, and picked her up. So just when you talk about relationships, and I'm looking over here at my notes, um, 
culture and those kind of things, I think, yeah, when you talk about how that impacts your life, it truly does. And it makes a different and difference in how, you know, their season goes on. So. Yeah, no, it's, uh, sports is, sports is great. And, and, and I tell people and corporate leaders and, you know, I, I, I get excited. I'm, I'm, I'm working with a company, um, and they have several people in the organization who played at least the high school level of sports. And I think that is the best leadership training ground in the world because there is no real formal training ground for leadership. Uh, there's, you, you can take a class, but you really need to practice it. You need to develop it. It needs to be in real speed. Um, and it needs to be monitored. So you have that with film, with your coach, um, and, and the feedback you get from teammates and your coaches, if you do something well, or you do something poorly, you know, if you, if you yell at a player for a missed shot, is that the right thing to do? Well, in most cases, that's probably bad leadership. Um, you know, if you go put your arm around and say, hey, man, you'll, you'll make the next one. You know, uh, I'll hit you if you're open. You know, that's good leadership. Uh, you know, coach pulling a player out of a game and screaming in his face. Uh, not necessarily great leadership. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Dean Smith would never do that. He could do it in a different way. Um, he, 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 you know, words are powerful. And I think sometimes there's a great follow on Twitter. His name's Tim Kite, K-I-G-H-T. And he talks about a formula, E plus R equals O. And E is the event. So let's say it's a player missing a shot or turning the ball over. R is your reaction. And that equals the outcome. And, and whether it's good or bad. And the only thing we control is the R. You know, my reaction to someone missing a shot, my reaction to a referee making a bad call, my reaction to a player turning the ball over, you know, the better my reaction, the better the outcome. And and I think that uh, I wish I, I kind of figured that out earlier in my career because I'd probably be a better coach. And so uh, I'm going to kind of change directions here as when we t- talked about uh, having you on, we were all really curious about uh, one thing in kind of particular, a little bit easier of a subject, I get, I bet, for you. But you're going to play with Michael Jordan. And so what are kind of some of the characteristics that made him so successful? And what was it like playing with him? Well, Ethan, I'd like to correct you. Uh, Michael Jordan played with me, okay? <laughs> I think we need to get that. We need to get that straight. You were on yeah. the co- you were on the cover uh, of um, yeah. Sports Illustrated, and he wasn't, if I remember right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Michael came. I was there first. So, uh, yeah. No. Uh, uh, the, the there's two things that I looked at in evaluating players. Uh, one. You know, when I was scouting and recruiting in college, I said, okay, what are the key ingredients I want in a player? And it's, can you pass, handle, shoot with speed, quickness, toughness, and savvy? Okay? So that covers the skill level, the athletic 
level and the mental level, all three levels. And I'd kind of grade players on, can you pass? You know, can you handle the ball? Can you shoot the ball? You know, that, that, that's critical. With speed and quickness, toughness and savvy. And on a scale of one to ten, Michael got tens in all, you know, all of those. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So Michael scored a 70. You know, who yeah. else would be able to score 70? Like in today's game. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't think LeBron would score 70. I don't think even Kevin Garnett would score 70. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, speed, quickness, toughness, and savvy. You know, maybe uh, Steph Curry would be up there. Um, you know, he would definitely be up there. So, and then, then the other thing I was, um, uh, this book straight from the gut by Jack Welch, who was the former CEO of GE, uh, he talks about the four E's. Okay. And it's, um, energy, energize, uh, execute with an edge. Okay. And so does a, does an employee, does a player bring great energy to practice each day? Do they have they do they have the ability to energize others? Okay, because inevitably someone's going to have a little down day. They might be sick. They might something happen in the family, uh, a bad grade on a test. So they might you, you, you see their body language. They come in the locker room. Well, do you have the ability to energize that person? Go up to that person and say, Hey, listen, man. I could tell something's not right. Uh, I'll help you. Let's just get to the water break. You know, let's get to the water break. Let's have a great practice today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then can you execute? Okay. You know, Coach Applegate gives you a play. In the heat of the moment, can you concentrate and execute the play on the road, tie score with a minute to go? And then do you have an edge? Will you compete? Will you fight for that loose ball? Will you draw that charge when a 6'6", 220-pound center is running down the middle of the lane? Um, you know, those types of things. So the four E's are energy, energize, execute with an edge, and Michael Jordan has those. You know, in a scale of 10, he scores a 40 there too. So those are the things that I look at and I think separate Michael from the rest of the pack. So then with him having all those characteristics, when you were playing with him, did you could you immediately tell that he was going to be a really, really special player and possibly even the greatest basketball player of all time? No. Uh, in all you know, reality, I didn't think that he could be the best player of all time. You know, you know we had some great – I mean, James Worthy was the best player in our team my freshman year. Yeah. I mean, his freshman year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then – you know, and Sam Perkins was a great player. And then Michael, you know, took over and sophomore and junior and I think was national player of the year as a junior. Um, but to say that he was going to be better than Wilt Chamberlain or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Larry Bird or Magic Johnson, to me, would have been very disrespectful. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it wasn't... Um, after his freshman year in the summer, we played a lot of pickup games with the NBA players that would come back. And Michael really played well uh, and kind of really showed out against a great player named Walter Davis, who had his jerseys and jersey in the rafters. 
and was an all pro with the Phoenix Suns. And I remember thinking, man, Michael, don't, don't disrespect Walter like that. You know, <laughs> he, just, he, he was really, he was just like amazing. So that was my first glimpse. Like, okay, yeah, he can, you know, he's going to be like, he's going to be a good pro. Um, but still it's kind of like, you know, he's your teammate and you can't envision him being the best ever. Yeah. And so, um, and then when he got in the NBA, you know, obviously it grew and grew and grew and it was truly incredible what he accomplished. He wrote, did he write your forward in your book or did he do an introduction? Yes. I thought yes. he did. Yeah. Um, before yes. I've yes. got one last, I think question. Um, and I just thought maybe we could give a shout out to your family because I know in your book, I saw pictures of your wife and I think you have two kids and, um, Maybe talk about the importance right. of family and um, how they've supported you all along. Yeah, I think I think that um, you know at the end of the day, you know, you're a dad, you know, your husband, and you know, at times I've been selfish where I focus on my career. You talk about work life balance. Is there really a work life balance in terms of hours? No, um, you know, but. You know, I, I wasn't always present, you know, like I'd come home. I didn't compartmentalize real well. You know, I'd come home and eat dinner and my mind might be on a recruit or a next game or, and, you know, I wasn't really fair to them. Uh, we moved a lot. Um, and that was hard. Some of them were by choice. Some of them were not, you know, and I, I thought at North Carolina, I'd be there forever. And, um, but looking back, all those were good experiences for our kids. I think they, they have friends in all those places and have fond memories of all those places. But, you know, the, 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 the foundation of family and, and God to me is important. Um, you know, when I come home, um, you know, I'm dad, you know, I want to be just dad. Like that's the best title I think anybody could have. And the, the title I enjoyed the most. So, you know, as, as, as I try to learn to become a better leader, I try to learn to become a better, you know, dad and husband and, um, and, and, you know, that's a continually continual journey, just like a leadership journey. You can always get better. So, um, um, I'm blessed to have a wife, Kelly, who will be married 30 years coming up here in a couple of weeks. And, um, my son is 23 and my daughter graduates from UNC next weekend. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, that's a great, great note to, uh, in uh, this episode of the podcast. So thank, thank you so much, Matt, for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to, uh, uh, give give this podcast, uh, your time. So that's, that's much appreciated. Yes, for sure. Hey, no, thank you very much. Uh, and, it's really neat to connect with you all, and, and Kim, thank you for organizing this. And Ethan and Taylor, your 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 maturity and professionalism, and how you handled the interview, uh, you know, well done. They are they truly are two of the best, um, and we'll kind of. Um, I do want to thank you so much for doing this. I know it's kind of random to have people 
message you and I'm, I'm sure you get lots of people that do that but thank you so much for responding to me and um as we close out, I, um, Ethan is heading to Fort Hay State next year, and he's going to run track. Uh-huh, he's yeah. probably going to be a state champion in, in the hurdles here at the end of the month, Uh-oh. we're hoping. And then Taylor, of course, is a state champion in forensics, and he's heading to Florida. So, Matt, we hope to stay in touch. Um, truly appreciate your time, and um, have a great day. Yep, thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Best of luck to everybody. All right, thank you. 